0: This podcast is brought to you by jewishpodcasts.org. Start your very own podcast today at jewishpodcasts.org. This podcast of Kashrus Anytime is brought to you by the Kosher Consumers Union, a 501c3 corporation. The Perik Ezele which we say by Cravanas every morning, or should say, is a peruk that has no machloikas at all. By all kerbanis in general, besides Euler, it states that it may be eaten for a specific period of time. But by pesach, which is the last item that it says over there, it has a completely different law. And it says four times, nechel ele. Nechel ele. So, nechel ele. because by pesach, basically, we know we don't eat unless we know that it's done correctly. And then again, even if you think you know it's done correctly, again, four times eight and a half. It was a few years ago, I think it was about three years ago, which was known as the Shufra Pesach Cocoa Powder episode. What happened was they were repacking Chinese cocoa powder into Shufra Koshla Pesach packages with some of the following Pesach, Chumris, and Hidurah, which everybody's looking for. The first thing, it it, came, it was a product from China. Strike one. China is known to adulterate everything. They commonly adulterate cocoa powder with flour, with no ashgach at all by the repacking. Strike two. You surprised? We're not surprised. At the, as the kosher certifier would say, cocoa powder was zayn. repacking the cocoa powder without a mashgich. Strike three. In a plant that packs a whole year, chometz items. Strike four. Yet more on the super package, it says USA product. Strike out. We published above a scandal. Then the two Ashgachas were up in arms. The OK was one Ashgacha, and then there was a Mansi based Hamish Ashgacha who writes on his Ashgacha that he's a member of Asacha Sarabhan and The two Ashgachas had a meeting in the OK's office. You know what the crux of the meeting was? How did Shane know this and how did he know that and is that they weren't concerned about the deception and everything else was being done with no much no nothing, etc. That didn't that wasn't their concern. Others were concerned that they baked for Pesach four to five weeks before Pesach and now and they used the Shufra cocoa and now they discovered that basically that there's a problem over here. Then the OK says they sent it to a Lab and there was no adulteration. They never, ever produced any lab results and reports, and they expect people to believe it. By the way, the cocoa powder from China was from a few different lot numbers. They would have had to send to the lab a few different uh, samples in order to test it. They didn't even have them available because most of them were already in packaged items. They don't even know from what lot numbers they were. Okay, that is the Shufra Pace of Cocoa episode. Now there was a Hamish vegetable oil made for Pesach, made under the Ashgacha of a popular Hamish Ashgach located on Division Avenue in Williamsburg. The Hamish certifier was asked by another Hamish certifier for a copy of the Mashgich production report. They responded, we don't release any reports. I happen to know that they don't usually have reports to speak of, but we wouldn't tell anyone. So this inquiring Ashgach called the vegetable oil company, to discuss some things about the production that was made of the PACE certified oil. They also asked, what citric acid do you use in your facility? The company responded, we have a Passover citric acid, a non-Passover one, and some other ones. They asked, what did you use for this production? They, the company responded, whatever the rabbi says we should use, that's what we use. And what was that? They said, well, it doesn't stand the production sheet because the rabbi forgot to come. Don't mind you, it's for of production. They wanted us to make another production with a rabbi present. We said, sorry, your order is done already. And they went, they used those oils basically for commercial things. I don't know if they used it for the retail market because a lot, all the hashgots from the Hamish one didn't really want to use it, but for the commercial ones, they couldn't have the commercial ones can't have mayonnaise and other type of things, so I believe that it was used based on what, I'm not sure. Afterwards, I went, we went, and called the oil producers to inquire from them, if a supervising rabbi is supposed to be present for the production, how do you start before he comes? If the OU would have scheduled a supervised production, would you do the same? They said, no way. So I said, could you please explain? They said, yes. If the OU rabbi is supposed to be there for 7 o'clock production, he'll usually come in at 6 o'clock a.m. to check the equipment, the ingredients, the labels, everything else gets checked. If he's not there by 6 o'clock, we call his cell phone to find out, is there some delay? Should we wait? What's going on? And by the Hasidic ones, they never arrived before 10 o'clock or so, so it was nothing odd and we started at 7 o'clock. He'll ask what was used, and we tell him the equipment was cleaned, it was sterilized, these were the ingredients. So we never wait for the Hasidic rabbis. I'm very sorry to tell you this, but that's the way it goes here. Next story. We were tipped off that a large commercial bakery on the outskirts of Borough Park was working Shabbos afternoons in the summer. We set up some people to check it out, and it was confirmed after two, three weeks that they kept on checking. Next, we set up a minion of people to be present and observe the facts firsthand. We also arranged for a to video the episode. It was done within the halacha guidelines. The bakery was under the ashgacha of the OK, which is based in Crown Heights, Brooklyn, New York. And the Hamish ashgacha located on Division Avenue in Williamsburg. That was the two ashgachas. And we had it videoed. We had the... the we one of the people tried getting in, they wouldn't let him into the, to the bakery on Shabbos, but all the workers got in and the guy had the key, etc., etc. On of Shabbos, the Lubavitch Besden from Cran Heights uh, heard from a pair of Aethas regarding the Hill Shabbos that was lit, witnessed. And they issued right away a psak, and they put up signs immediately not in, all over Cran Heights not to bar from that bakery. A call was made to the Hamish certifier. They said we'll meet Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. They were in no rush for any earlier meetings or canceling or whatever else it is. The individual then went down to the Hamish Ashgach office on Division Avenue. He set up the video recorder and showed the episode of the guy having his own cubing key of keys to the bakery. He opened it up for all the workers, wondering who, who started up the oven, also, but that's another thing of the pasty stroll, etc. The kosher's administrator said, First of all, who gave you a hat to have a good do a video on Shabbos? So the fellow responded, Rabbi Shane set it up all will in a law. Second, a video is not kosher for Aethus. So the fellow responded <laughs> laughingly. He says, First, basically, you people sit on a dentural, you have on them. You know at every dentural, one is always a liar. Very often both are lying but let me tell you something videos don't lie the ok ultimately removed the hashgacha until he installs cameras the hamish hashgacha was deciding only on the amount of the fine to charge the bakery but none of them even thought of removing the hashgacha completely and walking away Guilt is guilt. interesting inter- interesting but not surprised a large chocolate manufacturer in East Greenville, Pennsylvania area. He's kosher certified by the OK for many years, and a lot of Hamish ones that are doing productions or taking product from there and repacking it, etc. The chocolate manufacturer's manager does not allow the cash representative into the plant as soon as he gets there. He must wait in his office and raise for approximately a half half hour in, until the manager is ready to take him around. That way, they can shut down certain equipment, and it cools off, so the mashgiach will not be able to ascertain the temperature of some of the equipment that is above yatsir lettuce which would make the entire facility a dairy milk production facility, because the refiner, which is used to for the chocolate to to refine it and mix it together with the with the sugar and then all the other things, including the milk powder, etc. So if it's basically above uh, 160, uh, I mean, above yat lettuce, it becomes Milchix, and all powerful ones that you're doing uh, on that same refiner is also Milchix, and you really can't cash a refiner, practically. It was checked from the distance with a temperature ray gun and recorded at 165 degrees, which is way above yat lettuce. Now we know why the inspector of the of the OK was not allowed in by the manager because he had to make sure that everything was closed and shut off and cooled down. And every single time he came in, he never was able to find that the refiner was in operation. The cashier's inspector also concluded that they put milk chocolate in a dedicated power storage tank and he entered that on his report. Uh, even though everything in the company was hard pipe, but they did have outside laying flex lines, which they could do that kind of thing. By the way, you can't kosher a chocolate plant with water. It would ruin all the chocolate, even if there's a couple of specks of water. Therefore, the OU does not allow any kashering in a chocolate plant from dairy to para. Other certifiers, including the Hamish ones, kosher with chocolate or cocoa butter, which is called sharmashkin. Rabbi Don with Levi of the OK was very disturbed about both dairy issues. He was given that. Number one, the refiner was being used for dairy at 165 degrees, and the dedicated power of tank for da- was used for dairy. He asked the 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 the, the inspector, did you see them use the tank for dairy? He says, No. I didn't see it myself. But I concluded with Seattle de Shemayev that that is what they did. And they used flex hose from laying outside to pump the chocolate into the into the the different tank, which was really a dedicated part of a tank. So Don Yair Levy was very furious at me for writing it in my report, something which I did not see but surmised from Seattle de Shmaya. The company manager denied it vehemently. So Rev Dunyo Levy called me up, very furious. He's denying it. So I said, you know, why don't you check the last few records of what product was in every tank? And you'll make your own decision. Ultimately he checked and he found that I was correct. How he cashed the thing or what he did with that tank is beyond me. Thereafter, Dunyo Levy instructed me, I used to go down to the plant once a month, and he instructed me to go down twice a month instead of once a month, and he wanted me to put in a pygon such as Bittrex, into the boiler water. Because they did use, to heat the tanks, they used um, boiler water to heat the tanks and want to make sure that if they use heating the same, with the same water, the military tanks, the power the tanks, it may be a problem. So I asked the Daniel Levy, do you know if there's a deodorizer in the plant? He says he doesn't know. I told him, I'm limited to a one-hour visit. You were there a full day, practically, and you don't know if the choker company has a deodorizer? You know, most choker companies do have deodorizers. Well, let me tell you something, Yoyo. They do have a deodorizer, and therefore you cannot put a pergamum into the boiler. Because a deodorizer uses live steam injection, and the pergamum will ruin the chocolate that run through the deodorizer. But, if you have a way of doing it, I'm always willing to learn of new methods that there is in the cashless industry. The OK still today designates it as a of chocolate company. Many of the Hamish companies on the Ashgore use that product as part of. In our opinion, it's a straight milk chocolate company. For a while, the Star K listed as a circular that they are certifying that East Greenville chocolate company as Star D, which is dairy. Go figure how in the world this thing happened. The very large high end caterer, which was called silver caterers, was under the Huffkey until she purchased the now defunct Huntington Townhouse catering hall in Long Island. The Huntington Townhouse had nine kitchens, five halls, room for three thousand guests at a time. They were running kosher and non kosher affairs. They had just one so called designated kosher kitchen. The which they had it locked, but they had the key to keep it. The kof refused to continue the Ashgacha of kosher and non-kosher, as these are takana from a Saravanam against giving Ashgacha to one that operates kosher and non-kosher. It was a very lucrative six-figure Ashgacha. Along comes the O-K, and they pick up the Ashgacha. We were there numerous times after it was under the Ashgacha of the O-K, and we found that the kosher's control was less than poor. The non-kosher kitchen used to take and exchange pots and utensils from the so-called designated kosher kitchen back and forth, called also Polish Powder. real today. By kosher events, we observed the waiters taking utensils from the non-kosher supply room for the kosher event. It was a complete kosher, but eventually, Baruch Hashem, the, they sold the, the place, the catering call, they sold it to Lowe's, it was demolished, and basically those problems are over. I was hired to do a Sunday wedding at a kosher catering hall in Long Island, located in the Shul's Catering Hall. The caterer himself was not Jewish. Four weeks prior to the event, I sent them my requirements to the caterer and to the full-time on-site mashkiach. I wrote to them and asked them, do you have any issues? Please be in touch. When I called, they said, no, we will comply with everything that you have on your thing, and we have absolutely no questions. I reviewed with them the menu and gave them the guidelines, etc. At this point, I knew I was in trouble. A first-time me with a new caterer and no questions, it just can't be. I have it from anybody, no matter who the caterer is. I arrive Sunday morning at 8 o'clock. First thing, I meet the Mashgich, and I see the wine by the Goyesh chefs is... Mavushul. All of the workers are him. I go to the storage cabinet for the wine, and I find that most of the wines are bushel. I question the mashgiach, and he shrugs with his shoulder. He uh, was unaware of it. You know, he thought this, and he thought that. Basically, I went into the mashgiach's office, and I saw exactly what it is. He reads newspapers, everything else. I was like, he's just, you know, he's got, the, he breathes, and he stands on two feet, and that was the accepted mashgiach. From um, Kash, uh, Kashra Certify in, in uh, Flatbush. In general, the Mashgich was there many years, but totally clueless. The chef complained to the Mashgich that I'm not letting them use many of their ingredients, etc., etc. Mashgich said, You know, it's all on the rabbi's list that he sent you a few weeks ago, and you never responded back to him that you have any issues or anything else like it. And it was getting very uh, tenseful. Finally, at 10.30 in the morning, the tall Italian boss arrives with his three-piece suit. He says, Rabbi, I hear you're not allowing my team to produce their affair. What's going on? He opens up his jacket to display to me a pistol in his belt. I said, we'll we'll get to disturbing your staff a little bit later. First, I want to ask you, what is this pistol doing here? He said, well, Rabbi, you have to understand, I carry a lot of cash to the bank, so I have my pistol. I said, well, today is Sunday and banks are closed. You came to intimidate me with the pistol. Now get out of my kitchen and close the door behind you. Do not come back into the kitchen till after the affair. He leaves and closes the door behind him. All the workers, like they put down their knives, they were very stunned that that was the position that I took with him. I told them please pick up your tools. I don't want to hear sound from anybody. I, it's my kitchen today. I am in control. Do not do anything until you ask me. Five minutes later, the kitchen phone rings, and they say, Rabbi, it's for you. The Italian boss is on the phone, and he says he wants to come in to apologize. I responded, I'm not a school teacher that repeats the instructions. You stay out until the affair is over. And, basically, that's what I had to do. I forced Dash to drop the when, the when the annual contract was up. Because if you threaten, basically, a Ravamachsha with a, with a pistol, you don't continue that type of hashkocha. Cold Koltob, thank you.